Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone. I'm Alana Leone, and welcome to this week's episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Today, I am really excited to sit down with Meredith Allen. She is the head of customer happiness. And boy, I think, you know, many of you know, I have a teammate called Porter Palmer, and she has a title director of joy. And this is an equally, equally awesome title, I would have to say. Um, so she is the head of customer happiness at Soundtrap. And Soundtrap, in all disclaimers, is a client of LCGs. And that's exactly why I wanted to have her on the show, because I've had the pleasure of working alongside Meredith for almost a year now. And when we first started working with Meredith, I was just so impressed because she had this deep educator background. And in the beginning, I was telling her even right before this show, I did a little bit of sleuthing on her, a little bit of cyber stalking to just say, who is this Meredith lady? And I came across a podcast where Meredith was just so humble. She was so kind. She was so practical about just her background, but also talked a little bit about Soundtrap, but more so brought in her personal usage of Soundtrap and brought in her daughter and how she was for the first time able to hear her voice on a recording and what that did to her. So I was just, as soon as I heard that podcast, I was like, when I get a podcast, I want Meredith to be on it. So I'm excited this day has come. Um, Meredith will talk a little bit more about her background, but I want to let you know that just for context, she spent nine years as a classroom teacher, and then she spent two years as an instructional tech lead as well in Iowa. But what's unique about Meredith is it's not unique to go into ed tech, but the position of where she's at, I, I really want her to get into her journey because I think we can all learn and be inspired about her path and what she's discovered along the way. Um, so we're going to talk to Meredith about her specific journey, and then we're going to get into all things ed tech as normal. So Meredith, welcome so much to all things marketing and education. I know I missed something in your bio, so please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Oh, no, thank you for having me. This is great. I, I yeah, I've, I've migrated up north to Minnesota now from Iowa, but I did start my, well, I lived, I was born and bred in Iowa, left for college, went to the University of South Dakota, and then came back and taught there for 11 years between uh, music teaching, uh, some computer teaching, virtual reality there for a while. And then I moved into uh, an AEA position, an area education agency that served um, several school districts in the north central part of Iowa. And that was when I really dipped my foot heavy into the ed tech world and learned a ton that I had um, maybe not been so exposed to when I was a music teacher. And it was during that time that I found Soundtrap and kind of like the rest is history. I never thought in a million years that I would say that I'd be working for 
well, at the time, a Swedish startup. Uh, I thought I would be a teacher, a classroom teacher until I, you know, was, I think I had to hit the rule of 88 at, at 57 or 58. And I would be a teacher at least until that long. And, and then now I, I reflect back uh, on the last almost seven years now uh, of my work with Soundtrap. And I'm, I'm, I'm still connected to the classroom. Uh, it, it's a few layers away, but it's, it's still so much a part of my everyday. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun journey. Yeah. And I can't wait to get into it a little bit more because I, I know a lot of our audience, they're either educators that are, you know, maybe potentially dip their toe in the water with ed tech or maybe made the transition or looking for advice around that. But then we also have a lot of ed tech folk that it might be in similar, similar roles as yourself, too. But let's rewind before we get into the story of you in Soundtrap of just the why, I think a lot of the times when I, when I work with brands and when I also talk to educators is let's let's all get back to the why and what initially drew you to education. I actually don't think I know this about you, but what was it that you're like, I'm going to be in the classroom and I'm going to work with children? Yeah, well, so it all comes down to actually mentoring. And just yesterday, I was working with another uh, a group that I'm I'm part of Start Ed. It's a mentoring with with groups, and and they kind of asked a similar question. And I said, you know, it's so funny because mentoring was the reason I am in education to begin with, and now here I am acting as a mentor to to others. And I was in seventh grade. I had an opportunity to do a job shadowing mentorship, and I chose. I was debating between English and music. Those were two my two strong places, and that I had the most joy in school. I my mom was a, a licensed teacher, and I knew that I education just felt like the right fit. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to shadow a, my band director. Uh, just I love band. I'm gonna I'm gonna see it from his perspective, and he. Uh, he said, I showed up and he's like, okay, you're going to teach this lesson. And, and it was like a couple of fifth grade drummers at the time. And I, and I was just kind of thrown in sink or swim. And he had me teach beginning uh, percussion to these two, two gals. And that was the, I mean, you've heard this many times from other teachers, I'm sure is like, but you see the light bulb pop on and then you're like, and that I had the, aha moment, right? Yeah. The aha yeah. moment. I had the luxury of having that in seventh grade as a teacher. Wow. And seeing that. So I knew from seventh grade until I graduated high school, that was going to be my path to education. So I knew all the classes I need to take. I had studied all the schools that I wanted to, to um, look into attending. And so that's really what hooked me into education. Yeah. And in the music, I'm just curious, do you sing or do you play any instruments? Uh, I, well, I was a band director for nine years, so I had to learn all of the instruments. So if you can, ha you can hand me anything, I can play the B flat concert scale on it just cause I had, I had to do that as a band director, but I was a percussionist and a piano player and a guitar player. Um, and I sang as well. So just kind of, a, I did all of them pretty well, not enough to ever be a performer. And I didn't want to be on stage as a performer unless I was like with all my students on stage. Um, yeah. Do you teach your children music? Are they no. musically inclined? No, they're musically inclined. I do not teach them. That is a lesson I learned early on. I was like, oh, I can teach Morgan, my daughter, my oldest, who's now 13, piano. 
So we sat down on the piano and it ended in both of us in tears. And it was like, okay, that is just a line that we have to. So now I, I happily write a check to a piano instructor weekly for both of my kids to attend their piano lessons. And then she, they both play an instrument now. So, yeah, that is too funny. It's it's so true. It's just like, there's some, they can't get it out of their head that you're their mom and there's so much stuff. There's a lot of power, power struggles and, and you know how much they can do. And so I think that there's, yeah, it's (laughs) interesting line. (laughs) Well, that is so awesome that you had that opportunity so young to really figure out what you wanted. I mean, there's very, you know, now working in K-12, it, that that's quite a rare experience and that you were from that point, this linear, I'm going to be a teacher. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, maybe let's go over to the world of ed tech now in Soundtrap. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about just what you do at Soundtrap? So what does that cool title actually mean? And potentially, like, how did your role evolve over time? Because it it might sound nebulous a little bit to our audience of like, how the heck did she get over there? How did she figure out what she liked to do? Um, And that's a hard thing to wayfind when you're an educator in this weird world of ed tech, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. I love reflecting back on this story because I, again, never thought I would be in this position now. And and I think it's it's a good practice to to ground yourself and and tie yourself back to where you started. So I, like I said, taught for nine years. Uh, It was a small school in in Iowa, very rural setup. So my band, all of my band students at most was, you know, 30 kids. And, um, and so I saw a little bit of the writing on the wall. I knew that that school would not be in existence in its, in its current state for long because of consolidation. And I thought, okay, what interests me? And I knew technology was something I was kind of the go-to at the district for uh, help with tech, just in general. We didn't have anybody on staff. And so they knew that, oh, Meredith, you know, she, she adopted Google Docs early on. Let's go to her for help or whatnot. So I started looking around and, and found a position that I did not think I was at all going to have a chance at getting. I, I, when I got the, the interview, I was just like, okay, this is a fluke. They must have misread or got the wrong resume. I really thought I had this imposter feeling about like, I'm not qualified. I'm a band director. Why would I, why would I, why would they want a band director in a position of instructional technology? Um, consulting uh, at, a, at a higher level. And, and so I went and, and I think that I went in, what I had going for me is I went in with an open mind about the possibilities. I was so new to it that I wasn't stuck in any way. And so my whole perspective was very open. And, and I think that's probably what resonated the most is that I was open to innovation and, and I, and to not, kill, not to use a word that's overused so much, but growth mindset. Like I knew that there was not a ceiling that we could potentially do just about anything with tech. And that probably came through, got the job, which was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, The fall I started, I missed music significantly. I I really was like, oh, I'm not, I'm I'm doing these Google trainings. I'm doing, I'm learning all about B-bots and robots. And, and uh, I was bringing home a different tech tool every, every day to get to know what was out there in the classrooms and, and be able to facilitate the teachers with PD on these, but there was no music. So I decided to do some research into music, uh, music collaboration tools I think I Googled like that, those exact words, um, just so I could like 
maybe host a workshop for music teachers that were interested in integrating more technology. Soundtrap popped up. I clicked on their, their promotional video they had at the time. And it was this, <sighs> you can pull it up on YouTube now, but it, it's this video that, um, that shows the possibilities of, of collaborating online with music. And they show this world and these kids singing and playing instruments and connecting the globe with these lines. And, and I realized, oh my gosh, this, A, I didn't know the technology existed. And B, like, why aren't we, why don't we know about this? Like, I, I need to help educate music teachers that this is a possibility. Reached out to the company at the time and was like, I'm a poor teacher. I need free licenses to share in my makerspace that I have going on in this little tiny town of Iowa. I can still pull up the support ticket in our internal systems, which makes me laugh so hard. Uh, and so that's how the conversation started with Soundtrap is they, they just, it was right time, right place with they were uh, starting to ramp up their education product. They needed help advising EDU space in the U.S. Again, it was in Sweden, so they they weren't in tune. They didn't have the pulse on the on the um, education space so much. So they acknowledged that I was this route of information, and I loved their product, and I wanted to evangelize it to my wider audience. So I. I worked for free for them for a long time because I just loved, I was in love with what they offered student and teachers uh, for creativity. And, and then eventually they offered me a position as a, as kind of an ambassador, like a paid ambassador. Um, and that was a tough decision because I had to leave the classroom then officially at that point and say, I'm, I'm no longer, I don't need to have a teaching degree to have this other job. I mean, I still do have my teaching degree, but um, I don't need to maintain it if like, there's no requirement anymore. I'm just, I'm leaving that, that part behind. And it was, it was tough in that regard, but easy because the team was so welcoming, awesome. And the, and the, the tool was something I believed in and I still believe in. I, I, and I think that's a big part of my journey. And, and if I was to recommend anything to anyone, it would be, you, you don't leave the classroom to leave the classroom for, for just nothing. I mean, make sure that you're leaving for, for something that you believe in because you believe in your students and teaching and education, make sure that transfers over to whatever your next journey is. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's such great advice because I was actually going to pause you because you said something when you talked about your journey around, well, I was all of a sudden in IT, but you know, I'm, I missed music. So you're going through a little bit of a, a, a wayfinding journey to figure out what gives you the most pleasure or joy too. And I think for educators, just know that you might have steps along your journey and you go, oh, you know, I actually miss this or how can I integrate this into my job? And that's perfectly normal. So I just wanted to point that out in Meredith's story as she went along and said, well, you know, I also miss this. And that ultimately helped her go to where she is now. And then from the ed tech perspective, if you're an ed tech brand, you should be listening to educators as much as possible. And if you aren't listening to educators, you won't come across people like Meredith. You know, you won't say, wow, this person really loves our product and wants it so much she's asking for a free trial. And then on top of that, she's doing all this stuff and just doing it because she pur purely loves the product. But you have to listen to find Meredith out there. And then you have to be smart enough to say, how can we bring them on board? But don't just bring them on board. What Meredith said is she felt welcomed 
So you also have to make accommodations for educators. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But maybe just talk to me a little bit about the world you live in now. So mm -hmm. you're the, the head of, is it customer happiness? Yes, customer happiness. So yeah, that sounds fun, but I also know customer success can be challenging. So maybe you just tell me a little bit what, what's your day-to-day -day like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I have had, I think if I look back, I think maybe seven different titles since I started with Soundtrap because the the role has evolved. I did some, some just customer success agent work. I did sales for a while. I did um, sales enablement. I did, um, you know, marketing for a little bit. And then just recently we've you know, and because of all of those roles, it's because the company has grown during this time and we needed to adapt and, and evolve appropriately. And, and so, Hey, that, that, that's been super fun. Like to, to be able to, to keep that fast pace. Cause once I start to feel like I know my job, then I start to kind of be like, mm, let's, let's mix this up. Let's, let's do something else so I can be constantly learning. So that's been great. I think just now recently since January, I have this, this new fancy fun title, but it, it's essentially what I was doing before, just a couple of layers removed. So I have two teams. One is engagement and one is customer success. And the customer success is fairly new to me. That is, um, that's something I'm still kind of learning and wrapping my head around, but that's the more, um, reactive customer uh, experience that if somebody was to send a ticket and then we respond back, um, we have a lot of support articles that are, that are online and that's, that's kind of owning that area. And I have a team that, that builds that and I support them and that's great and awesome. But reversely, we also need to be proactive about making sure our customers are happy and healthy and, and, and uh, using our product because it's great to have a fancy product that's awesome and amazing, but it's another to make sure that it's being used. And if schools are paying for this subscription, I want them to use it. I want the kids to be able to um, harness its capabilities. And so the engagement team, which is technically the team that I've been on since the beginning, uh, are the one are the you know they're, they're teachers and trainers located all over the world uh, that that go in to schools or, you know, virtually, obviously for the last couple of years, but they work with teachers that are adopting it for their classroom and they're sharing and inspiring them to use it in meaningful ways that are, is appropriate for their particular situation. We know, you know, Soundtrap is a very open-ended audio creation tool. You can do anything from language lessons to podcasting, to music creation, to, um, you know, an audio field guide for science class. And so we know that that's a big spectrum we wouldn't want to go in and train teachers the same way each time because we are talking to a different set of teachers with different needs. And so that engagement team is, is that exactly, they come in and they, they listen to the teachers and then they adapt their training and the resources to support them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of what I do now every day is, is I support my two teams. Yeah. And I love that you get to work with really inspiring educators every day. Like you said, your, your layers removed now from the classroom, but it's still, there's still that connection. And I love that, that you get to work with people similar to your original background too. Like you've got Austin and Audrey and Serena. And for those of you that are, um, 
recurring listeners of this show, um, Serena is part of the Soundtrap team and recently just launched an episode. And she talked about her passion on social and emotional learning. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. But you get to work with all of these amazing people. And I just think that when people think about their journey into ed tech, sometimes they envision themselves working with a bunch of like corporate people in suits that are so serious and numbers oriented. Like it's not, I mean, there is a bit of that obviously, cause you're a business and you do have like things like KPIs, key performance indicators and OKRs and all of those things. But it's, it's couched with like lots of awesome educators too. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's what's been fun about the, the growing team is that, you know, some of the early hires, we, we had to wear a lot of hats. And now we've been able to really hone in and honor the, the, the expertise of the particular team member. So like Taylor in, in Austin, he's very much music production. That's his, his jam. And so now we, we get to talk more, we get to, you know, encourage that more. And, um, you know, Audrey is, is, has that special ed background and working with accessibility with our product. So I think that it's, yeah, it's just been really fun to honor that person. And we see that all over the company. It's not just on my team, but it's also like our sales team. The majority are past educators, to be honest. I mean, I, I would, I would confidently say a large majority of them were in education and they found products along the way that have made them passionate about making sure they, they can get that in the hands of school. So it does go outside our team. And I, and I think it would just be, um, it would be sad to work for a company that didn't hire the right people that can educate the product and how to evolve and, and iterate. Yeah. And there's this careful balance from the business side. If you do hire educators, which I do suggest you do, you want to bring out their, their natural talents, really any, any type of employee you want to do that. So you mentioned Taylor with music production, right? But you want to do it to a balance where you're not crafting a unique position for them that doesn't suit the business. And, I, and you're not saying that, but for those of you in ed tech, I just want, cause I, I do see that sometimes where they hire an educator and they're like, Oh, they're a great keynote speaker and let's just have them keynote. But I ask them, is, is that what you need right now? Maybe they actually need that person to train a bunch of ambassadors to go out to conferences and speak at lots of, you know, smaller venues in terms of sessions. So there is always that balance. I just want to forewarn people is, you know, Porter and I a lot, you know, Porter is a colleague of mine. We always talk about the magic middle, really. So we look at what, what is your audience need? And this maybe might be your employees need at this time, but also what are your business need? Always match that with your business objectives too. So I, I just wanted to bring that up because I kind of had this like little frowny face and it was, I was, you just made me think about that when you said honor the person's skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are, I will say, there's been lots of times where we've had to like wear multiple hats that aren't maybe our major skill set, but it's been beautiful to watch that part grow as well. So there's a balance that you want, you know, I, I would, I would love to go back to the classroom, but I don't think I could now because there's a bunch of other things in my, my current role that give me joy as well. And, and I think, I have so much more to learn in this, in this space. And I think career framework is a big thing. That's kind of been, um, one of my, uh, challenge, challenge in a good way is that when you have a growing company, you also hire people and, and 
they want to know what the path is through that company because at school it's easy. You you have that <laughs> every year you see, okay, I'm this year down and I'm on this tier over for education. So this is how much I make every year, you know. Um, but more than that, you know where you're headed. And it might not be like your role doesn't change because teaching typically, I mean, it does, but you know, you're a science teacher, you're gonna be a science teacher the next year. Um, but in a business, a small business, you get hired at one role. Okay. So what's my next role after that? Because after a few years you get, you want a change, you need to mix it up. And so that's been one of my, my big boulders to move this last year. And this year is to build some kind of framework within my team. So they know, like if I hire somebody new, okay, here's the next few steps that you could potentially go within our company, not saying you will, or you want to, but at least it's there stated, obviously. Um, but we weren't ready for that a few years ago. Like we were too small at that point. Yeah, that's always tough. I think in small in small companies, something for me in particular too, when I hire, it's just like, you know, we want you in here because you're passionate and you have the skill sets and, and we'll see how it goes. Um, for the right person, there's always opportunity, especially in startups. Like you said, it's yeah. not this like, you know, 1% pay raise and it's like you mapped out for the rest of your life for, based on the years that you put in. It's, it's really different mm -hmm. in the startup environment. I wanted to know, you've been through so many different roles at Soundtrap. Now you talked about your new role in kind of how part of it is overseeing customer success, which you admitted you don't really have a ton of background in. Like, how do you get into the mindset of like, all right, let's tackle customer success. How, how do I get to know it? Because there's a, probably a lot of educators that might see a role and they're like, I just don't know if I could do that portion of it. I've never done it before. Like, how do you, because you've done it in various positions with Soundtrap, how do you kind of get your mind around it and learn it? <laughs> Yeah. Without it being intimidating, you know? Yeah. I, okay. So I'm going to go back to when I was in the classroom, because this, I think, was a pivotal moment for me. And I was just starting my conversation with Soundtrap. I was just starting to learn a little bit about music tech. And I wasn't a music tech teacher. Let me, like, I want to say that I was a traditional band teacher that played the music on the page. We did not have a lab. We, I rarely recorded them. Like, and I, to go back, I do things way differently now, but um, the tech was kind of removed from my band classroom. So I left the band classroom and it was, it, it was that time I was just kind of dabbling in this music tech world. I, I was being encouraged by my team, rightfully so to start presenting on what I was learning in a larger audience. And so I thought, okay, well, I submitted my name for a conference that was, uh, it was a global, it, it was all it was all asynchronous because it was global and it was, um, gosh, I can't even remember now what the, the conference was, but essentially you it's all these thought leaders around the world talking about creativity and, and you put your session up there and it's like accessible for 24 hours. And anyway, nice. first time, first time presenting, um, it was accepted. And, but what I did is I wrote the description before I knew what I was doing. I, I, I completely did not know what it was, but I thought if I'm going to do this, then, and that was key for me because it kind of kicked me in the pants a little bit and said, okay, you said, you said you're going to present on this. You have to know what you're talking about. So I went and I, w I researched and now, and that practice is still in place today is that like customer success. Okay. I might not know everything there is about it, but I'm going to try to skill up 
as much as I can so that I can support my team and advocate for what they need as they grow. And that's exactly what I did then. And I think that's the biggest mindset is that you have to, you have to challenge yourself, set a goal, and then keep yourself accountable to that. And don't think that the default is yes and not no. I think that that was one thing for me is like, I was a, I was a, yeah, I just assume good intention and that it's going to be a yes and go from there. Uh, and that seemed to work. Yeah. You have to have this leap of faith, right? And to do that, you might have to have, you know, dig inside of you and find that confidence and maybe go back to other times in education or other times in your career that you had to make that leap. Right. And I was just laughing when you said that conference thing, cause you know, we've all done it and we all have that voice in our head saying, you're not an expert, you're an imposter. What are you doing? But you need to keep, you do something to keep yourself accountable. And so I joke with my team, I'm like, you got to fake it till you make it. And I know it's not that, but you, it's something to, like you said, kick you in your pants a little bit, keep you accountable, and you learn. We talk a lot about accessibility at LCG as it relates to social media and content marketing and all these things. But Porter and I constantly talk to each other and say, we're not experts in accessibility. But I, I say, you know what we are is we're great at curating information and we're curious learners. And there's not a lot of people talking about that. So let's let's yeah. bring it to life. Yeah. And that's maybe what I have to tell myself. It's like, I'm not an expert. I'm a learner. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it was driving me nuts. It was the Global Education Conference and the session, get this, the universal language of music, composing, sharing, and celebrating between music classrooms. I had no idea how that was done um, before that. And I, I had two months to prepare. And, and that's the thing, like, just dive in, just do it. I, I don't like those cliches, but it's true. I mean, like, you just have to kind of like lean in. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, what's the worst that could happen? Right. It's, I know these are all cliches that we're talking about here, but it, I think sometimes it's nice to listen to other people that have done it um, and know that there we all had those voices in our head and we still do. It's not like we have this like linear path where we're just following this yellow brick road to our career. You know, I wish it was that easy sometimes. But um, we have had a couple of challenging years and I want to dig into what your experience has been like on the ed tech side, but also you're able to see the educator perspective nationally and somewhat internationally as well. And what has it been like in your position at Soundtrap? I know this is a really big, broad question, but how, what's your been experience like or in the pandemic slash we're going into an en endemic now? It's turned the world of ed tech upside down. Um, I've been alongside with you all in social media, so I can see how it's affected your users a little bit, but I'd just love to hear from you of like maybe any stories or mm -hmm. things you can bring up as it relates to your team of educators too, and how they've struggled throughout it. Um, take it wherever you want. I know it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. I love it. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a couple of years. And I think a couple of years in with a growing company, which has been interesting. So two of the, um, my teammates, Jess and Justin joined weeks before we locked down. And we, you know, I, I had the luxury of meeting them once 
And then I haven't. And I've also onboarded several people during the pandemic of, of new employees and teammates. So it's it's been very interesting to build relationships and actually really great. I thought I if I would have had to guess, it wouldn't have gone this well, but asynchronous um, and online relationship building does happen. Like it, it's, it's not a requirement that you have to be in person. I think that there is definitely a level that you miss, but um, the teams that, that we've built at Soundtrap over the last two years are tight, they're close, and we've gotten a lot done. Um, I think when, when the pandemic hit, Soundtrap gave away their product for free for like five or six months to just let teachers have something at, while they were scrambling to figure out what to do. And that was when the ed, my education specialists or the education specialists on the team uh, rose to the occasion. And they were, I, I think we added it up. I don't know the exact numbers, but they did countless trainings and countless email campaigns and countless resource creations during the first three months of that. And it was, they just worked so hard, but they were like really happy at the same time because they were, they were able to be a little bit of a beacon for those teachers because they would go into trainings and these teachers were just like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm a, in this case, I was a music teacher and I don't, I don't know. I'm a Meredith and I, did, I didn't use tech in my classroom. What do I do? And they had this like tool and, and they could share with them and they, they saw the light bulb, like, Oh my God, like I didn't know this existed. And now I can use this, you know, with my students that are located all over the city that I can't see face to face. Uh, so early on. And then that kind of transitioned into the fall when, when schools were adopting it longer term. And I think that that, you know, because we were, it was such a positive thing that kind of kept my team going. Um, I think over time, just like everybody else, it got old, like just not seeing people and, and being stuck, you know, at home and, and just watching the world and all of the things that were happening at the time. Um, weighed, weighed on them. And I think we saw that with teachers over the last two years. It's, it, I actually have never wanted to teach as bad as I want to right now. I I'm, I'm aching to get in the classroom because I, I, I want to, I want to be one of the, I want, I want to encourage teachers to stay in it as long as they can without, you know, obviously going down a, a, a negative, bad, bad path mental health wise, but the teachers that, that give it their all are the ones that are burning out, I think. And that, and I want to, I want to like relieve them somehow. Like I'll even bus drive at this point. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm hurting for them and I'm hoping that that relief is coming. And I, and I see glimmers of it. I really do. I mean, I think that we're, we're seeing slowly the, the endemic happening. Um, I think systematically things need to change for teachers to make sure they're feeling supported and, and valued in their work. But um, yeah, I, I guess that's just, I, I'm, I'm sad when I see all the early retirements, I know that's happening, but as a mother, you know, of students, I, I want, I want that teacher still in the classroom because they're so good at what they do. And, uh, but I get it. it. I get it at the same time. It's so hard. Um, 
So we're a part of a, another client of ours. We're working to build up a community of educators, and it's all about just getting them to prioritize their own well-being. When it's just really hard for educators, and and a lot of like um, empathetic or giving selfless people, it's very hard. You know, it becomes a habit to say, okay, if I just keep going, if I keep giving it my all, my all, my all, they start eventually burning out, and that's not in it for like the long run it's more in, in it for like the couple of years and then they're like i just don't know what to do i don't know what my name is i don't know who i am anymore mm-hmm. um you mentioned burnout from the educator perspective and i i don't know if you have any words you talked a little bit of, to the educators but for those of educators that are listening now like do you have any words of wisdom advice um, maybe some things that kept you going while you were in the profession. I, I know for me, my heart goes out. I've thought about being a bus driver too. I'm like, the schools need help. I know. <laughs> I, know. I called my mom and she's like, Meredith, stop. Like, like okay, okay. Yeah. I, I know, but that's what I want. Um, yeah, no, I'd say, yeah, again, cliches, but it's true. You got to put the mask on yourself before you save somebody else. Like, you need to, and I'm preaching this to myself daily. It's really hard. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, so for me, I've picked, I gave music, like I am a musician, like I'm not great. Like I said, I can do everything like, okay. I put that aside for several years. My guitar was sitting in the corner and it was collecting dust. So I've recently picked it up and started playing again. Um, just like in the middle of the afternoon when I have 15 minutes free, cause I, typically like to do it when I'm alone. And it just gives me joy there. I, um, another thing that I stopped and I can't believe I did was reading, uh, for pleasure. I was reading a lot of stuff for work. Uh, and I would just be exhausted at the end of the day and put the TV on. And then that was my entertainment, but I love reading, uh, realistic fiction. Like that's my thing. I soak up that those books and I stopped. And so over Christmas break, I started back up and I've read like eight novels since Christmas break. Like I do love doing it. I find myself being able to escape um, in a different way when I need to escape. And, and I think that's just acknowledging that's what I need, that that feeds me is, is probably what's kind of saving me right now, uh, particularly in cold, dark winters for some. Um, it's just kind of a, I think just this last winter, it's kind of, hit me pretty hard. And, and I've had to really stop and say, okay, what can I let go of and what brings me joy? Uh, and just make sure I make time for myself easier said than done, but yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And I, I know we were talking about educators in the classroom, but I'm curious from your perspective of now being a manager and managing educators and you probably manage non-educators now too, correct? Like yeah, yeah, in the yeah. classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that as a manager in the ed tech field, like, Ooh, burnout's huge. And when you talked about them leaning in and wanting to do more and more, I saw that on my team. And because their always excuse was, well, there's nothing else going on too. And people are hurting. And so how have you been able to help support them? And what are the challenges that you've encountered too? Cause we all have, but in ed tech, it just felt like all of our hearts were pouring out and the teachers needed so much help. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, my, my two general rules, this goes all the time with, with managing or leading a team is, is I try to remove barriers for their work and I try to support them. 
And that's as simple as it is from, from a manager leader position. And I think even if I'm not able to remove the barriers, you know, I I'm trying and I'm, and they're seeing that. And I think that helps. They know somebody else is working to, to advocate for their work. If there's something that that's just not working, they know it's not just for not, it's like, okay, there is a parallel line happening here and we're trying to get through it. Uh, and then supporting, I'm, I'm listening, you know, I have one-on-ones with my employees every week and we, sometimes we spend the entire time talking about just general us stuff, not, not work related. And that's for me to get a pulse on, on how they're feeling. And then we can talk through things that are, are larger than, than maybe what's, what's driving their work right at the second, which is family and mental health and personal, um, issues and things. And I just try, try to give them they don't need permission. Spotify is great about being very autonomous with our work and driving. We drive our own work, but giving them the permission they feel they need to take time off for themselves or, um, you know, do what they need to let go of this project and and only focus on this project if you need to. Um, and I just, I'm like a re- repetitive record in that, in that regard. So they know that this is a safe space that they can, they can push the pause button. They don't always do it, but I try to encourage it as much as possible. And Spotify is great. They have lots of programs in place as well. Yeah. It, it, I'm nodding my head because it, it really rings true with me as well. And I think for clarification for our audience, you said Spotify. And I don't think we ever mentioned that Spotify acquired Soundtrap in what, 2017? Yeah. Yep. 2017. So you're officially now a big part of the umbrella of Spotify companies, which is exciting because it has lots more opportunity and structure for you all too. Um, yeah, just super interesting what you said around the pause button, because you, you, as a manager, you can only do so much. You can say, Hey, I'm going to listen to you. Um, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. But people all approach those um, things in due time. I have employees that I say, please take a vacation. Please take a vacation. Take some time off. And it takes them a while to realize that they really need it. But, if you know, maybe it's the sales pitch where you need to tell them sometimes things over and over again before they can go, oh, yeah, she actually really does mean it. <laughs> you know? yep. Does your um, approach change? Um, so you, as a past educator, you're managing some past educators, but you're also managing people that have never really been in that space hands-on wise. Does your approach change or are they just humans and all humans deserve what you're talking about? Yeah, no, I have no different approach. Uh, And it's been fun to also manage people from different countries that have a different way of working. And, and, and also we have to work differently because our hours are different. So where I get some support face-to-face with the U.S. Uh, team, I might not as much with the Swedish or uh, whatnot. Um, but no, I, I'd say I think the the approach is the same, and and you know I I would add into transparency, over communication, um, opportunity. So like if uh, a one example is bringing in people that might not have a good or not might not have experience in the classroom. Uh, let's say customer success wise, you know, they've, they've worked on tickets and in, in our, in our system, but they, they've never actually talked face to face with an educator. 
is I'm trying to provide opportunities that they can listen in and, and shadow and like come to a conference and watch and and be part of that. So they have some kind of level of context to make the connections. Cause I think we all work in our own little teams, but there's so much cross collaboration that happens. And I think perspectives are very different. And if we can at least give them experiences of the core product and its application, which is in classrooms with teachers, um, that seems to, to, to work well. Yeah. All right. One of my last questions is it just made me start thinking about the space of ed tech. And since you've had your feet in it for a while and you had that experience of being on the ground in a leadership position in ed tech in a pandemic, ed tech roles. So we had um, a teacher come on in one of our podcasts, Tracy, and she talked about how in the beginning, ed techs, they, they offered a lot of their product for free, you know, right when the pandemic started. And now that we're in this weird gray area of an endemic, a lot of that is being taken away. And I understand why. And we, and we know from the ed tech space why. But there's, there's, a, there's a lack of support. And I'm just wondering if you had a magic wand and thought about like the role of ed tech and how it supported educators, and especially in this endemic weird way that like I feel like educators are being asked to go back to normal, but it's not quite normal. How would you like ed tech to help support and maybe, or maybe it's just a list of, Hey, whatever you do, just don't do this. <laughs> I know this is a hard question, but I've been thinking about the role of ed tech. Yeah. Oh, that is interesting. And I, yeah, that is kind of a tough one. I think, you know, equality comes to mind, you know, it's, why, why should one school on this side of the tracks not have the same access as this other school on the other side of the tracks? And that's that, I mean, it's a, it's a big problem we have in our world and it's a big conversation, but if our education system, ed tech included, can help support creating equal equality across all the schools and all the students so that one kid doesn't have the, a different set of tools than the other or yeah, that'd be awesome. And I want that for the whole world, like peace on earth, goodwill to man. Like I want there to be that all the time, but let's, let's start with maybe ed tech. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was thinking too. And I know there's not one specific answer, but it's just about, equity and access. And sometimes I, I just ask ed tech founders and CEOs and executives where they have this amazing product, but you have to make money. And sometimes when you have to make money, it increases the divide, right? Yep. Yeah. It's tough. And, and I, and I put, you know, I put, I think some of that comes back to like education reform on a, on a state or a federal level. And that's a big rock to move. And yeah, we and we have some instances where it's awesome because there's been a big organization that's backed it and said, OK, we believe that all the students in this organization need to have access to Soundtrap. And so we are putting our stake in the ground here and saying we will give access to all of these students. And in, in those cases, that's awesome. But it's it's few and far between. And and yeah, like you said, it does come back to money and funding. And, and that's a big question for, for our world. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, so 
one of the things I think we're kind of rounding about and circling to is just being more aware of how your product affects and maybe might contribute to inequity issues is one thing, but you and I have both said this, it's just listening, you know, listening to educators. We hear you, we see you, um, we want to support you and be as helpful as possible. And that sometimes may not be with the product itself, you know? So I do social media and community building for a living. And sometimes we talk about things that have nothing to do with the product and they're just valuable for your audience. Mm -hmm. You are, you're creating value. You're building trust because you care and so that's also what you can do. So there's lots of different things that I, I think EdTech can evolve to, to really just be as supportive as possible to a stakeholder that just doesn't get support generally, mm-hmm. right? Yep, absolutely. Anyways, I know we can talk about this forever. <laughs> I am just like pinching myself that you took the time to, to talk to me about all of this. And just what we were saying before is that we very rarely get the opportunity to dive deep into like what our journey has been, what's life like, where are things to come. So I just appreciate hearing your story in depth because I've heard bits and pieces and putting it all together. I really hope the audience, whether you're an educator or an ed tech professional, that they really find value in this. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. It's always good to kind of push the pause and and reflect. And you've offered that space. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you're not getting away with this too quickly. I think we always ask our audience at the end one question and you kind of already answered it, but I think you can add some specifics. But we always ask, especially now where we're constantly trying to grab more energy, more inspiration. And with the pandemic and the endemic, it's just how can we continue to keep our eye on the why, you know, and it's, that's so important in, te- in ed tech in particular, but what re-energizes you? What keeps you inspired? You talked about your love for realistic fiction. Maybe you can list a couple of novels, or maybe there's just a couple of habits you integrate in your day that our audience might find valuable. Yeah. I, I mean, those things are great, but I'm actually going to go back to education for a second, because I think that's where I, Work-wise, I, I fill my bucket and that's, so we, we have user stories, all, all ed techs have user stories, but I, I feel very passionate about how awesome ours are because we talk to teachers using Soundtrap in the classroom and most of them are all honoring student voice and giving them a chance to speak or share their story, uh, during a time when they might not feel like they can, or they're muted, or they're they're absent from the classroom in some way, and because we have this cool creative tool that allows for that, uh, the our user stories all, almost always have student examples tied to them, and you hear the students' voices. So when I'm feeling down, or I feel I need a, a bump up. I, I either go to our shareable work doc or I go to our blog that has our user stories and I and I listen or I read read up on one, the most recent one. Um, and when I hear students' voices, because I'm, again, removed from the classroom, I don't hear those every day. And that was my elixir of youth was having that student energy. I listen and I think, okay this is our next generation and they're amazing. And they're going to, they're going to get, they're going to do right by us. They're going to be amazing. And, and that, and then I'm happy again. That's, that's my, my, my buckets filled. That's awesome. And it's, it's, I've seen personally your product 
transition consumers in, in the students. And there's always this disconnect where we think that um, the youth have all of these amazing creator skills and they're digital natives and all these things, but they actually need a lot of guidance. Um, but once you set them in a direction, they can go off and empower themselves to do more than you ever thought of and tech or no tech. But I see your product and I, I love that we're uplifting student voices, like you said, but also educator voices and what they're doing and how they're rethinking teaching in ways that make it accessible and exciting, you know, like creating a podcast based on a fictional character in your favorite novel or, you know, like all of the things that we've seen. I was like, that's so creative. I wish I had that as a child in a school. I know. I know. It's, and I think Audrey, um, one of my my teammates uh, said it early on in our Soundtrap career, and I loved how she said it, is that Soundtrap offered this low floor uh, so kids could just ease into the tech and then virtually no ceiling. And 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 to me, that was like, oh, and, and I've now seen the sandbox that they can play in in Soundtrap make cre- such powerful, creative things that uh, honestly, I'm I'm astounded. I, I, I forget I mean, you're born with the brain that you have. It's just how it's formed. It, it like you're 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 not any smarter than you were when you were a baby. It's just how it, being able to unlock what's there, and 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 when you get a tool to be creative, you are able to unlock so much. And and that's yeah. Anyway, that's what. Yeah. Made no, I, I think what you said, I think I want to just repeat, because when I am an advisor for ed tech companies, I look at the I don't know how impactful their product will be. And the way that you said it slash Audrey said it is that does it provide a low barrier to get in like a low floor so that you can have those little micro wins from the kid and they have this like mini eyes light up. Oh, but then it, they're like, wow, I can build on it. And then the sky's the limit. So student engagement at the core, but scaffolding it. So it's easy enough and accessible enough that all learners can get started. Absolutely. And that is something I think ed techs might want to just pause and say, does my product actually do that? Or how can I tweak it to do so? Yep. And well, it's I, the whole accessibility thing and the equality, because every learner is different and you got to hit them at every place differently. You shouldn't expect all of them to be able to do the one worksheet that you pass out to the whole class. Sorry, I have no worksheets. No more worksheets. No worksheets here either. Well, thank you so much, Meredith, for joining us. I know we can talk a lot. Um, If Meredith talked about any resources, know that we will scour this conversation and we'll find that video, that old video about Soundtrap. We'll put it in the show notes. Any resources she thinks that might be helpful, we'll put it up in our show notes. And we'll also provide a nice synopsis too, in case you want to look at some transcripts. If you're different types of learners, you know, you like to read versus audio, we'll have it all. Um, You can go to leoneconsultinggroup.com. So that's leoneconsulting with two G's group.com backslash the number one five so 15 for all of what Meredith spoke about um and I just thank you all for taking the time to learn about this wonderful world of ed tech that we have devoted our lives to improving and you can see that there's so many people like Meredith that are in it and they're in it for the long term and I thank you Meredith for everything you do in education thank you bye everyone see you next time 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoniconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.